You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On Rooms Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Happy Thursday, everybody. The Timberwolves lost on Wednesday night to the Sacramento Kings. This is the post-game podcast. As the Wolves could not complete their second two-game winning streak, if we want to call it a streak of the season, they could not complete the road sweep or the season sweep of the Sacramento Kings, although they did win two out of the three games against Sacramento this season. And uh, unfortunately, they lost by three to Sacramento in this one. Um, we're going to break down the game talk uh, game flow here off the top that we'll talk about You know how things went down down the stretch. I want to get into key takeaways. There was some strategy. I felt like Luke Walton and the Kings actually outcoached Chris Finch and the Timberwolves a little bit down the stretch. So I want to get into that a little bit. Some of the road rotations, interesting decisions there. For the most part, I actually agreed with the rotations. It was more just, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that it was being out coached as much as I think Luke Walton did an outstanding job coaching late. And I think that the Wolves just didn't execute what Coach Finch called um, for the team. So I want to I want to get into all that. And then, of course, we'll do individual studs and duds, as we always do. And that'll be the show here today. Um, first here off the top, again, a reminder that you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts if you don't already. That, of course, includes Apple as well as Google and Spotify and the brand new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And again, really anywhere you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves, and then my account is at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Okay, so this was part two of this series. Of course, the Wolves won, uh, what, they win by like 14 or something was the final on Tuesday night. Fun game. Um, and if if you want a little bit more of an upbeat podcast and you missed yesterday's, go back and listen to that one because um, I think everybody was flying high after, after a victory since they don't happen all that frequently. Although, to be fair, like once every three games now, I guess, which is a lot more frequently than earlier this season. Um, but at any rate, this was a little bit of a disappointing one. The Wolves led, they, they were down by 10 after the first quarter. This it, The first quarter was basically a carbon copy of Tuesday's first quarter, which was great offense by the Wolves, much better offense by Sacramento and just terrible defense by Minnesota. And Sacramento had a 10 point lead going into the second quarter. They actually increased the lead to 11 by halftime, but the Wolves in the third quarter were really good. Um, on both ends of the floor, really. I mean, they outscored Sacramento 39 to 25. It was basically the inverse of the first quarter. And Minnesota defended, they uh, rebounded, they got out in transition, they were scrambling on defense, they were covering for each other, they were generally competing all around the court, all, all across the floor. And that doesn't always happen. And it wasn't happening in the first quarter, certainly, of this game. And to a man, the Wolves played really well in the third. Um, we saw lots of great, and I'll talk more about this in key takeaways, lots of great Carl Anthony Towns, Nas Reed minutes together. Both players were good on their own. Nas was fantastic in this game, but together they played well. Minnesota was, was very, very good in the third quarter and early in the fourth, the wolves. So going into the fourth quarter, I should say the wolves had built a little bit of a lead in the third quarter, but then the Kings pushed back kind of right at the end of the quarter, Minnesota was up by, I think there was up by, they were up by five with just about a minute left in the third. Jaron Fox scored a quick two. Uh, 
the Kings came down and got a stop. Tyrese Halliburton hit a corner three and tied the game at 95. Wancho banked in a three-pointer from the right wing on a tough shot. He didn't realize the clock was about to expire, tossed up a, a prayer, banked it in. So the Wolves are up three going to the fourth, have some momentum after that banked in three. And things are feeling pretty good. The Wolves then extend their lead. This is with Towns off the court, right? So Nas Reed's in the game. The bench unit primarily is in the game. Rubio's actually in the game with the bench unit. Uh, The Wolves were trying to save D'Angelo Russell for crunch time. Minnesota builds a nine-point lead on a Rubio three with eight and a half minutes left. Then the lead grows further. It becomes 11. And Minnesota maintains this 11-point lead until the six and a half minute mark. So they're up 11 with six and a half minutes left. Now the starters have come back and we're seeing this kind of blending of a lineup. Anthony Edwards is still on the court at this point. Eventually, Edwards, or excuse me, Rubio comes off for D'Lo. And so D'Lo's in the game with the starters. And then Edwards comes off in favor of Rubio to give the Wolves a little bit of additional defense. And you've got this double point guard lineup with no Anthony Edwards. And I actually, I tweeted out that I really liked it. I liked what Finch was doing with it. I liked the mix and it should have worked. Unfortunately, it didn't. So Minnesota's up 11 with six and a half left. That was, that was the high watermark there towards the end of the game. And then um, up the Wolves are up three with a minute, a minute nine left. So the Kings have made a little bit of a run and the Kings have the ball down three with a minute and nine left. Luke Walton calls a timeout with just 4.3 seconds left on the shot clock. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? I understand he's going to try and call a quick side out of bounds, but you know, they've got two timeouts left. Why not just see if they can score at the end of the shot clock there? Why burn a timeout? Turns out it was genius. He called a, just kind of a quick hit post play for Harrison Barnes. And it wasn't anything fancy. They just got him a touch with only Jade McDaniels on him. And Barnes got to his right hand, made a little jump hook uh, shot in the paint. And it was a one point game. But the Wolves had also drawn up a play during that timeout, as they should have. They came down. They basically ran a horn set where Rubio set an in-screen for Towns. Towns pops out and uh, and takes the pass from uh, the shovel from D'Lo and knocks down a three. Puts the Wolves back up by four. So now it's 125-121 with just under 50 seconds to play. And on the other end, De'Aaron Fox gets Carl Anthony Towns guarding him on a switch, gets to the basket. Towns commits a foul. I tried to watch the replay back. There wasn't one shown on Bally Sports North, and I, I couldn't get uh, a good, you know, even rewind it on the DVR as a bad angle. Towns, of course, thinks he didn't foul Fox. The, it looked like he probably did. Either way, Fox makes both free throws. So now we're, we're back at a two-point game. So it's 125-123. D'Lo gets a three on the left wing. A decent look. It just rims out. I mean, if that goes down, the game's basically over because you're up five with 30 seconds left. I mean, you know, I, I guess I thought the game was basically over more than once <laughs> once tonight, but um, he, he missed it. It rimmed out. And on the other end of the court, the Kings don't call timeout. They just kind of roll into their offense and it's discombobulated. The Wolves are actually scrambling. Towns helps Dilo try and trap Tyrese Halberton in the corner. Um, there was a, a replay on Bally Sports North where they said that he maybe had traveled and stepped out of bounds. I thought he pretty clearly was out of bounds. It wasn't a travel because, well, it, I mean, technically that, that second foot that came down out of bounds would have been a travel. So if that foot had come down inbounds, then yes, it was a travel. So I guess they could have called it either way, right? And either way he was out of bounds. So it could have been out of bounds or a travel or both. It was neither. Both officials looked away. Um, if you watch the replay back, there's an official on the baseline. There's an official on the sideline. Neither of them are looking at the feet or anywhere near uh, the actual play. They're looking away as the ball is being passed and they missed it. Um, so the ball gets rotated back. Again, the Wolves are scrambling. Towns is recovering, getting back into the paint. Okogi's guarding Harrison Barnes and Rubio's guarding uh, Buddy Heald at the moment. 
and then a screen is set. Heald sets a screen. Both Akogi and Rubio go with Barnes. Rubio's trying to switch. To this point, they hadn't been switching on that possession. Akogi, Akogi excuse me, stays home, and Heald is open. As soon as Akogi realizes that Jade McDaniels is guarding a Kings player in the corner, both McDaniels and Akogi go to, go to guard Heald, who's receiving the pass on the right wing. Neither of them actually gets there to contest. They both kind of stunt and then try and recover, assuming Heald's going to swing the ball. But he's not, because it's Buddy Heald, and he loves shooting threes, and the Kings were down two in the final 10 seconds. He lets it fly without a hand in his face. Inexplicably, neither player, Akogi, or excuse me, McDaniels or Rubio actually, sorry, McDaniels or Akogi actually finishes the contest. He basically gets an open look, drains it, Kings go up one. So the Wolves call a timeout on the other end. They actually had some some good initial action to get Towns the ball. So Towns has the ball with, uh, I believe Barnes was guarding him. Or no, I think it might have been Damian Jones. And Towns got to his right hand, tried to get into the paint, and just kind of missed a runner. Uh, missed it short with his right hand, got knocked to the floor. Could have been a foul call. It was borderline contact. And I don't have a problem with the officials not making that call at that point in the game. Um, I mean, frankly, they weren't necessarily giving Towns. I, I know he shot nine free throws, but any given night, you Towns should be getting two or three more foul calls than he actually does. And so I, I don't have a problem with them not calling it there. But if you go back and I rewatched this a few times and actually, like I said, I really liked the initial action and and I liked the play call. But if you look at the rest of the Wolves players, the spacing's bad. Um, Wancho's kind of in the left on the left wing, left corner, right in Rubio's space. Neither one of them is open. And Jade McDaniels is supposed to kind of be in the dunker spot and be available for a dump off from Towns. But he doesn't really present himself in the right spot. And the Kings, give the Kings credit, they were in the right spot defensively. So you basically had three guys guarding Towns, but still in enough uh, of a of an advantageous enough position where they could recover in time, and D'Lo doesn't move. He just stands right above the break on the right wing. Doesn't doesn't sink into the corner where there would have been a better passing lane. Doesn't rotate back out to the top of the key where Towns could have. You know this this would have been a tougher pass, but thrown it back over his head or pivoted and kicked it back out to D'Lo. Um, D'Lo just stays stationary, and so the spacing and the the just the overall stagnant nature of the Wolves offense around Towns, there was the bigger issue. Towns had no other options. He had to try and shoot that shot. And and, and I didn't have a problem with him doing that either, but nobody helped bail him out. He missed it. The, and uh, the Wolves then fouled the Kings. Kings made both free throws. Minnesota came down, had, a, I think, 1.7, 1.8 seconds left and tried to run. They actually weren't going to get Towns or Russell, neither one of them were going to pop open and there wasn't going to be enough time for a second pass. So Rubio tried to lob one to the far right corner um, that I think would have been to Hernan Gomez, who may have been open, but uh, the Kings put, I think it was white side on the ball and he was like a pogo stick jumping up and down. And uh, the, the passing was just not well timed. I, I don't know why Rubio didn't just didn't just time it a little bit better with Whiteside's jumping, but Whiteside deflected it and the ball bounced harmlessly away. And that was the end of the game. And uh, I mean, that was it. Um, I want to get into key takeaways. And I I referenced a couple of those things, the coaching decisions. I kind of mentioned a couple of them, but I'll revisit them with some additional context here next segment. And then talk about a couple of other key takeaways. This was a fun game. Uh, it always is when the Wolves and Kings play because it's always high scoring, right? And this was not, an, there was no exception here um, in this game. Both teams shot the ball well. There was some stretches of solid defense and, and both teams playing hard. There was a lot of transition offense and very little transition defense. Um, and, and it was a game the Wolves should have won. I mean, you're up 11 with six and a half minutes left against the league's worst defensive team, worst rebounding team. You should win that game. 
and the Wolves didn't. So we'll talk about a couple of reasons why that why things ended up going down the way that they did here in the next segment. First, though, let's talk about our friends at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me who isn't, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and more. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. This year, the Lockdown Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get ins- insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. Okay, uh, let's talk about key takeaways from this game. Number one, for me, I'll talk about the coaching first. So I actually thought the stuff that Finch ran towards the end of the game, the rotations were actually pretty good. Um, you could have argued for Anthony Edwards down the stretch, but he, you know, he just had an okay game. He he uh, wasn't all that effective late. The Wolves needed Delo's offense. They needed Rubio's defense. And it was defensible for me that the Wolves had that group on the floor. In fact, both Rubio and, and Delo were rebounding their positions better than Edwards. Um, they were both defending, frankly, better than Edwards. Even Delo at times in this game was was better defensively. So the rotation's not an issue. The play call's not really an issue there either. The, it was more what Luke Walton did right. That timeout with 4.3 seconds on the shot clock with a minute left and the Kings down three was genius. I mean, it worked out. And, and the only downside was, I guess you're down to one timeout, which is at the moment I was like, okay, well, your possession's basically lost anyway. Just see what happens in the final four seconds and, and save your timeout. But he was right. I was wrong. That was the right thing to do. And that, I mean, that was just incredibly smart. And then also on the very final possession at the Wolves down by three, putting Whiteside into the game simply to guard the ball, which isn't, it's not like that's a genius, never heard of before coaching thing. Um, but you know, it was smart and it worked. And also the way that the Kings were coached up to defend the wolves, they knew that towns was going to try and, um, towns was going to try and make something happen. Right. So if you go back and watch that possession, the second to last wolves possession down one, I broke it down a little bit already, but the help defenders that are sagging off of Rubio and even Wancho and Vanderbilt are in perfect position, but D'Angelo Russell's defenders glued to him and D'Lo does him the 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 biggest favor by not moving. I mean, it's like his feet were in, in cement. He literally didn't try and get open at, to help out Towns. So the Kings glued somebody to D'Lo. They glued somebody to Cat, and they told all their help defenders that weren't guarding D'Lo, 
worry about cat, figure that out, try and try your best to stay in the passing lanes and make him shoot a tough shot and make him beat you. That's exactly what happened. And, and he couldn't, he couldn't make the shot and the Kings defended it well for as bad a defensive team as Sacramento is. And they're worse than Minnesota. That was an extremely well-defended possession. And so kudos to Luke Walton and the coaching staff with the Kings for pulling that off. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out, and this is, I guess, more just a, a an obvious observation, but but I think, you know, I wrote it down. I think it's worth mentioning the reason the wolves, one of the primary reasons the wolves won fairly easily on Tuesday night, you know, just 24 hours prior was because they limited Darren Fox. Their, their game plan to guard Darren Fox was fantastic. And they made Buddy Heald basically, uh, he's already a fairly one dimensional offensive player, but they didn't let him do anything else. They didn't let him get into a rhythm. They didn't let him get out in transition and get confident shooting threes in transition very often things of that nature. And really they, it was only Harrison Barnes that had a, a strong offensive game against the wolves. I mean, I mean, look at, let me look at the numbers real quick here. Uh, Fox was 14 points on 17 shots on Tuesday, three turnovers. Heald was three of 11 shooting 11 points. So 11 points on 11 shots and 14 points on 17 shots. So combined on Tuesday's game, Fox and buddy Heald scored a combined 25 points on 28 shots. That's awful. It's what the Timberwolves needed them to do. This game, however, Darren Fox had 30 points, seven assists, 30 points on 20 shots, attempted 14 free throws, making 13 of them. Buddy Heald had 29 points on 16 shots. So you go from, uh, what was it again? 25 points on 28 shots for Heald and Fox combined on Tuesday. On Wednesday, 59 points on 36 combined shots for that duo. And there, there you go. There's the difference. The Wolves' defensive game plan didn't change, and it shouldn't have because it's, it worked on Tuesday. But Fox was just able, they were able to get him in more situations where Kogi was getting switched off of him. And and they were also finding finding situations. And this was part of the problem, I guess. And maybe not the problem. Part of this was actually a function of Nas and Cat playing together is that McDaniels wasn't on the court quite as much. McDaniels was effective on Fox on Tuesday as well. It was a Kogi and McDaniels together that ended up with the bulk of the time on Fox. And in this game, the Kings were able to get the Wolves in lineups and in, in ball screen action where that wasn't as possible. And Fox had a field day. Again, 14 trips to the line, 14 free throw attempts, I should say, 20 field goal attempts to get his 30 points. And Buddy had seven made threes on 11 tries. He was three of 11 on Tuesday, seven 11 on Wednesday. And he was four of five inside the arc, which you don't see a lot of from Buddy Heald is, is that kind of efficiency or even shooting five times from two point range in a, in a given game for Buddy. The two of them combined had 12 assists and three turnovers. So um, the Wolves just didn't execute quite as well. And again, credit the Kings coaching staff for adjusting Tuesday to Wednesday and you know expecting the Wolves to defend them the same way. Finding a way to uh, finding a way to to get their guys easier shots, get them to the free throw line, or I guess get Fox to the free throw line. And I mean, I mean that was that. You look at the ancillary players for the Wolves, and they they got nowhere near that much production from anybody outside of. I mean, Nas Reed, I guess off the bench was great. We'll talk more about him later. But I mean, Anthony Edwards had a really so-so game. Rubio didn't do a ton of the scoring column. Jade McDaniel's was not as good as he was on Tuesday, and. I mean, the bench unit was frankly better than the starters for the Timberwolves, and and that was uh, that was an issue. A couple of other quick takeaways: I, I like the Towns Nas minutes offensively. I like it in theory on the glass uh, because Nas is a better rebounder as a four than he is as a five. Um, which, by the way, the Wolves only out rebounded the Kings by one, which can't happen. I mean, the Kings are an awful rebounding team. 
the Wolves need need to improve that margin. If I mean, that's a, another reason that they lost this game was they just they barely out rebounded the Kings. They lost the second chance points battle. They can't that can't happen, obviously. Um, so at any rate, that that's another a side note. But as I mentioned earlier, defensively, that combination struggles a little bit with certain matchups, and the Kings figured out how to exploit that. Um, defensively, that the defense was great in the third quarter, and at times in the fourth, it was pretty good too, especially early in in the quarter. And, and I think it's notable that the urgency and the effort is there with the Timberwolves defense. They're improving in terms of effort and, you know, knowing how to cover for each other, Xing out, you know, getting out and, and contesting shots, closing out under control. Those things are all improving. Communication and the, and the familiarity with one another is not. And part of that's due to the lineup changes, obviously the injuries, and that's a huge part of it. But Finch has been tinkering with the lineups as he should getting to know his roster, trying to figure this thing out over the past now, I guess, less than a dozen games left in the season. But the different lineups, you're having guys that aren't familiar with playing with one another. And the Wolves are also playing around with some different coverages. I didn't mention this, but part of the issue in the first half was they played a little too much zone. I mean, you can put in put in some zone here and there to confuse teams like the Kings because that's not that hard to do, right? Um, but you can't play too much zone against Buddy Heald. I mean, like, it was, he hit two or three threes where they like were completely wide open because the Wolves got confused in their zone and their coverages and D'Lo and Edwards and others weren't getting out fast enough on the perimeter to contest. So at any rate, part of it is, or a huge chunk of it is communication. It's familiarity with playing with one another. It's understanding what coverage you're in. Are you switching? Are you not? Are you playing drop coverage? Are we, um, you know, are we hedging hard on, on screen and roll? And the Wolves don't change those things that option often. They almost always play drop coverage. Um, they don't play a ton of zone. They, they mix it in a fair amount, I guess. But still, just the, the simple communication, and I've harped on this almost every time the Timberwolves lose, or I even mentioned it after they won on Tuesday, but can, communication in transition and in the secondary break on defense you know, the Kings were easily confusing the Wolves just by sending a cutter through the paint and guys weren't talking, you know, I've got him, you know, you take the corner, whatever. Those conversations are not happening on the court and opposing teams are getting easy corner threes, easy dunks because the Wolves aren't communicating. Again, part of it's different lineups. A huge chunk of it is young players, first and second year guys primarily. And when opponents make open shots, that's a rough night. I mean, when Buddy Heald is seven of 11 from three and you're giving him open looks, it's going to be a rough night. Um, you can get away with it if if they're not making open shots or if it's a poor shooting team, sometimes you can get away with it. And the Wolves have, you know, about once every three games since the All-Star break, right? But transition, defense, communication, defending the secondary break have all been major issues for the Wolves. Um, and then some of the same stuff offensively. Obviously, this was another good offensive night for the Timberwolves, but there's some familiarity issues on offense too, you know, not knowing exactly where guys are going to be, not knowing where guys like passes on, on, you know, on jump shots, some sloppy turnovers. D'Lo and Rubio both had some sloppy turnovers in this game. Um, so there's still some things certainly to tighten up. Remember, we're still talking now 12 games where the Wolves are six and six when Russell and Towns both play. And what, I think three when Beasley's played with the two of them. And even the Rubio Delo pairing with Towns doesn't have much run yet either um, compared to, you know, a full season. The, relatively speaking, they have a short amount of time together to this point on the court. So there's still plenty of this stuff that that is working itself out. And I think if, as long as we continue to see improvement and it's an upward trajectory over the final three, four weeks of the season, then I think we can feel a little bit better about it. 
Um, but familiarity, communication, all those things continue to be major issues for the Wolves. Okay, um, let's close by doing individual studs and duds as we always do post game. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA, MLB, and the NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. Let's also talk about our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Uh, right now, through April 26, you can listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Okay, uh, let's talk studs and duds from Wolves Kings part two, or at least part two, I guess, of the series in Sacramento. Um, studs for the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns has to be one, 26 points, six assists. He only had five rebounds in this game, which is weird. After he had 18 boards the other night, the Wolves, again, were only a plus one on the glass. So that part wasn't great, uh, but the 26 and six with only two turnovers and and, you know, Playing the way that he did, again, with the way he was defended, was was impressive. He had nine free throw attempts, made all nine of them, three of six outside the arc, and he was uh, only four of 11 inside the arc. Again, took some tough shots and only played 33 minutes. He he wasn't really ever in foul trouble, uh, trouble either. So interesting, he only played 33 minutes, but part of that was because Nas Reed was so good in this game. Nas had 20, he's, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about Nas. He was you could, I, I don't even know, arguably, he was probably the best player on the floor for the Wolves in this game. 24 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and a block. Nas shot 11 of 15 from the floor and two of three on threes. 24 points on 15 shots for Nas. He didn't get a free throw attempt, um, but he also wasn't, you know, posting up in the same way as Towns does and doesn't necessarily, I mean, Nas gets a lot of dunks, but he's, 
he's getting there based on his footwork and he's not handling on the perimeter like Towns. It's a little bit of a different animal. Um, but Towns and Nas together were very good. Nas by himself was outstanding. By the way, um, and, and grain of salt, et cetera, all those things apply. Nas was a plus seven in 24 minutes. Carl Anthony Towns actually tied for the Wolves' worst plus minus in this game with a minus 21, um, which shows you a couple of things. One, how good Nas was. And two, obviously Towns wasn't the worst player on the floor for the Wolves. And there's some of the noise in the single game plus minus right there. Uh, but a great game from Nas. He had two more monster dunks. He was as active on the glass as I've ever seen. Nas Reed, seven rebounds in 24 minutes in a game when Cat only had five rebounds in 33 minutes. Just outstanding from Nas Reed. Um, so a really good game there. And the third stud for me in this one is Ricky Rubio. Um, 11 points, six assists, four rebounds, four of nine shooting. He hit three threes in this game, a couple of big corner threes. He only had one turnover. He did have a steal and uh, was good all the way around. Only played 29 minutes. Um, I, I thought he was better than D'Lo. D'Lo had two turnovers and they were both really sloppy. One was a backcourt violation that was just kind of carelessness. He got the ball poked away, but it was still careless. And uh, one really sloppy pass. And Rubio's one turnover was really bad too. But still, um, I thought Rubio was better than D'Lo. And I thought it was a good move by Chris Finch to have Rubio on the floor at the end of the game because the Wolves needed his defense. And well, he and Akogi miscommunicated, I don't know what they were supposed to do on that final play when Heald hit the three to put the Kings up uh, in the final 10 seconds. I don't know if Rubio and Akogi had talked and they were supposed to switch or if Rubio made the wrong call there. I, I don't know. Um, but overall, Rubio had a good game and was the third stud for me in this one. Duds for me. Uh, this is, again, I mean, the Wolves didn't have anybody that was just like brutally terrible in this game. Um, they had some guys who, like Jade McDaniels, he played 32 minutes, but he had five, committed five fouls. He only had two rebounds in 32 minutes. Again, he's your starting power forward and only had four points. It's hard for me to give him a dud, but I mean, I guess if we're going to give this give this thing out, someone's got to get it. So we'll give it to Jade McDaniels. Um, and notable, notable stat line, or I guess individual performances. Josh Kogi was very good. Again, seven points, four rebounds, had some great hustle plays. Most of it early in the game was a plus seven in 24 minutes and wasn't really on the, on the court as much down the stretch because the wolves went with, uh, a combination. Well, it was mostly uh D'Lo and then some Nas as well down the stretch where, and Edwards and Akogi were the ones that were the odd people out. Um, although I, I guess Akogi was on the court down, down the stretch when the Kings, uh, jumped ahead and they needed his defense, but a solid game from Akogi and D'Lo was good. I mean, 15 and nine, six to 12 shooting. The defense was bad. Again, there were a couple of more examples of him. Just like, if you go back and watch any kind of defensive breakdown. So if you're watching a game live and you say, man, how did they get, how did the Kings get that open shot? Or why was this guy down the court? Why did the Kings, there was a, a play in the first half of the game I don't remember who turned it over, what happened exactly, but the Kings all of a sudden had somebody down the court. There was one Kings player, four Wolves players, and then all the Kings players were still behind, but one Kings player got behind the entire Wolves defense. What happened? You go and you rewind it. Russell should have gone with the guy, you know, you have to take, if you're back on defense, you got to take the guy who's running open down the court. Instead, D'Lo did the thing where he just hung at the free throw line and decided he would come and pick up the ball. Well, of course, whoever was closest to the ball was picking up the ball. And D'Lo, I don't know if he's like, I'm point guard. I'll go take the ball. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened there. 
But the correct play is to take the guy who's going to have a wide open lane to the basket and basically tag him as he's going down there and at least provide some resistance, get a hand in the passing lane. And if you go back and rewind almost every time, it seems like, and this is maybe an exaggeration, but not really, at least not in this game, the Kings are getting an open shot, rewind it, whose assignment was it? A lot of times it's D'Angelo Russell. Um, so that was an issue. And it's one of the reasons I really struggled to give him the stud award and, and so many of these games. I mean, 15 and nine is great. Six to 12 is good. Uh, but but some of those defensive possessions were not were not outstanding. I will say, though, on the final Kings possession before they healed three, D'Lo was the guy who had Halliburton in a bad way in the left corner and, and caused what should have been either a travel a travel slash out of bounds, really an out of bounds call. D'Lo did well on that possession. When he commits himself and he decides to do the right thing, he has the size, the basketball IQ, and quick hands. He had a couple of nice steals in this game. I mean, he can be okay on defense. The problem is, I don't know, 85% of the time, he's not committing himself to doing that. And it's it's painfully obvious, and it just drags the team down. Um, and he's got to fix some of that. Um, but, you know, he's so much fun to watch on offense that I, I don't know how often, you know, it feels like two podcasts a week. I'm just begging him to be average on defense. And the Wolves would be that much better as a team. I, I really, truly believe that. Okay, um, that's enough about Wolves Kings. We've talked about the Kings a lot this week already, um, so I'm I'm, re- I'm ready to be done with that. Uh, looking ahead, the Wolves actually have two consecutive off days, which is super weird. They're in Utah on Saturday night at Salt Lake City or in Salt Lake City to play the Jazz, and uh, so at Utah Saturday evening, and then back at Target Center to play Utah on Monday. So two consecutive games against the Utah Jazz. Uh, this is, of course, Thursday's show. We'll have a show on Friday, previewing Saturday um, against Utah. I talked early in the week about breaking down some additional Anthony Edwards numbers. So we're going to do that, talk about how teams are defending him and trying to slow him down. And uh, that'll be the primary. That plus the Jazz will be the main focus of Friday's show. And then we'll have a show on Sunday, which will be the post-game pod that'll post Sunday morning following Wolves Jazz on Saturday. So we'll have a show Friday, Saturday off, a show on Sunday for the post game. And then of course, we'll be back next Monday and uh, Monday through Friday with daily shows next week. So uh, be sure you're following the show. If you're not already, you can follow anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Again, wherever you get podcasts, you can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And at B Beacon. It's B Beacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all I have for today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. This episode was brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, we'll be back on uh, Friday morning. So be sure you're following the podcast. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.